It was a very cruel scene. Executed in an unusual manner. Cruel Coven. Hi, honeybees. This is Cruel and Unusual, the podcast. I'm Tori. I'm Katie. And we're going to talk to you about something cruel and unusual. <laughs> <laughs> what, what did you expect? So we have the hardest time after that this part. part. I know. Well, okay. Well, let me just tell you about the highlight of my day. Ooh, my, just my week. Okay. My week, week, actually. The whole last so good. week. It was so good. Okay. It, but it happened today. Okay. So. We were going through the Dunkin' Donuts drive-thru, Ooh. like we do every afternoon to get our sweet tea. Yes. And the kids asked for donuts. Okay. We're like, all right, yeah, we'll get you donuts. So Tanner was driving, and he obviously was ordering at the drive-thru. <laughs> I'm already getting excited <laughs> because you're talking about Tanner, and I know what's coming. So. <laughs> can you say it with a straight face when you I don't know me? if I can. Okay. So the kids like sprinkled donuts, like. They always want a chocolate sprinkled donut. Ooh, that so sounds Tanner, good. They're, I like them. Oh. <laughs> oh, I wish I didn't. <laughs> so Tanner orders the tea, and then he's like, can I have two chocolate sprinkled donuts? And the girl's like, mm, we're actually out of chocolate sprinkled donuts. So he was, tr- <laughs> he was trying to say, what kind of sprinkle ones do you have? Uh-huh. Do you want to know what he said to this girl what? loudly in the speaker? <laughs> what? Well, what kind of sprinkles do you want? <laughs> was he mortified? He was, trying, yeah. Yeah. he was trying to say, well, what kind of sprinkled ones do you have? He goes, well, what kind of sprinkled ones do you want? <laughs> so She's probably like funny. fucking none because I work here and I don't want anything that <laughs> she, didn't, she didn't say anything. She's probably like stunned beyond belief. Like, uh, what? And then I, I go, wish I was. He there. didn't even know what he said it at first. I go, Tanner, you mean half? He goes, I mean half. Oh my god! I already know that everyone has turned this off, and we're only a minute or so in it's because totally of my fine. fucking cackling. <laughs> I hope you can tone that down for that. Anyway, I saved that one so I could get your reaction. Oh, your cackle yes. specifically. I texted Tori and I go, "Remind me to tell you about sprinkles." <laughs> You're just like, okay, and uh, yeah, I, I said okay, and <laughs> I just thought like she meant like you know when she saw me or that she was like busy, but she wanted to tell me so. So mm-hmm. as soon as she came in, I reminded her like a good little girl. And then she made me wait <laughs> again. <laughs> I wanted you all to hear Tori's cackling. Oh, God. I'm so sorry, you guys. I really fucking hope you can tone that down. All right, you guys. So we have some headlines. We do. As per usual. Okay. Do you want me to go first? Go first. Okay. This is from people.com. This is an article by Harriet Sokman Sewer. Okay. <laughs> I'm just trying to sound it out here. It's titled Escaped Prisoner Found Hiding Under a Sheet in Stranger's New York City Apartment. No fucking, a- a fucking absolutely not. A fucking sheet. A sheet. So, just okay. a sheet. Yes. <laughs> so, quote A New York City man said he found an escaped prisoner hiding in his basement after he noticed an unusual bump in a sheet underneath his weaving loom. His weaving loom? (laughs) How old was this man? Wednesday night, 62-year-old Terry Pearson was watching TV in his Brooklyn home when he said he noticed an 
odd lump underneath his loom. This guy's just trying to fucking weave some shit. That's all he's wanting to do. At 62. Yep. Terry said, quote, I grabbed my flashlight, moved the sheet, and there's this face looking back at me. Oh, (laughs) my Lord. He's been sitting behind my chair for three hours. (laughs) End quote. (laughs) This isn't funny. Like, he was probably terrified. Terrified. This fucking idiot was probably just, like, so stoked on how, like, flawlessly he was executing this. Like, I'm going to get under this sheet, under this loom. No one's ever going to fucking find me. The thing is, (laughs) like, that my daughter, my eight-month-old daughter could do better than that. Right? Even she knows a sheet simply does not cover you. So Terry came face to face with this guy. He was an escaped prisoner, Johnny Soto. He said, quote, I went running that way for the police that I knew were in the backyard hollering. He's in here. He's in here. So I guess they were like canvassing the neighborhood looking for this guy. But for three hours. He sat in there under a fucking sheet for three hours. He was probably getting like the upper lip sweat and everything. (laughs) God. Quote, Soto allegedly hopped over fences after escaping and attempted to hide in another local resident's porch before she chased him away. In a porch. (laughs) Yeah, that's what it says. Quote, he was already on our porch, so I grabbed the meat cleaver and I chased him off the house. End quote. That was from Stephanie Tatsis. Tatsis? Good for you, Stephanie. He jumped over and he started doing his jumping over each yard to try to find his escape. Oh my God. Yeah crazy so he he they got him he was arrested in queens on monday for possessing an illegal firearm that had the manufacturer's serial number removed dear god yeah wow that's insane isn't that crazy i would terry god terry i'm i'm glad he didn't have just a heart attack right there same i really hope that he's just looming or looving or weaving or moving away I wonder what he's weaving. Okay, so I'm not going to go like super into detail with my article because I feel like we're going to be doing an episode eventually on this. Mm -hmm. But mine is about the 12 soldiers that are missing, slain, or killed since January at Fort Hood. That fucking blows my mind. 12 U.S. soldiers. 12. And it's like what is going on at Fort Hood yeah and what's being done about it exactly because it keeps fucking happening exactly I don't I don't so clearly whatever is being done about it like if Vanessa's wasn't enough Mm -hmm. to like go out there and investigate and shut shit down right it's still going on yeah so what is going it's it's like what happened to Aunt Diane only what's the fuck is happening at Fort Mm -hmm. Hood yeah okay so this article is from KIRO7 which is a news station. And the author of the article is Crystal Bonvillain, and she's from a Cox Media Group National Content Desk. So she says, quote, Fort Hood appears to be on the cusp of yet another tragedy as authorities search for the latest army soldier to go missing from the base. If you have not been seeing the headlines about Fort Hood, you're fucking living under a rock. There's yeah. no better way to say it. It's everywhere. You and the more are. it keeps happening, the more it's out there. Exactly. It's all over social media. So you can't even be like, oh, I don't watch the news because I don't either. I just see everything yeah. online. This, uh, you guys, Fort Hood has just been a place of terror mm-hmm. for years and years and years. Yeah. Since the beginning of the year, she writes, there have been 12 Fort Hood soldiers who have vanished, died, or in one case, turned up dead after going missing last year. Now she goes on to write a quote from Ryan McCarthy, which is the Army Secretary. It says, quote, the numbers are high here. They are the highest in most cases for sexual assault, harassment, murders for our entire formation in the U.S. Army, Mm. end quote. 
disgusting. Mm -hmm. Anyway, you guys, I'm not going to go into the entire article on, on here, but I just think it's worth mentioning and talking about and continuing talking about and sharing on social media. Katie and I do plan to do a little Fort Hood expose eventually. She didn't know that. <laughs> <laughs> she didn't know that because I just uh, told her, but I do think it's important to talk about. Maybe yeah. that'll be a Tuesday episode. I don't know. But we're going to do something on that eventually because there's mm -hmm. so much mystery and death yeah. surrounding Fort Hood. Yeah. After Vanessa Guillen, mm -hmm. we're like, okay, we'll do an episode on her. But then we're like, okay, well, maybe we should wait until more, you know, more right. info comes out about her. But then it was like every other fucking week. Right. We were hearing there's more. There's another one. There's another one. And we don't want to put something out there and have it. Obviously, whenever you talk about a case you run if it's not solved and sometimes even if it is solved and yeah we can provide updates but with this fort hood thing like there is too much mm -hmm. to try and keep up with right until we get to a point where like things calm down a little bit mm -hmm. so eventually you'll get a fort hood episode all right we have our qotdw a qotdw <laughs> for you guys this is from celia on instagram hey celia what up, girl? Okay. Girl. What up, girl? She wants to know, would you spend the night in a real casket for $1,000? Absolutely the fuck not. Really? Ne no. Why? Fuck no. Why? I'm not going to be shut in a casket. I don't know if it has to be shut. If it, okay, if it doesn't have to be shut and I can bring it here, sure. Yeah, right. I don't want to be closed in it. I don't like that. No, I could never. Not because of the death stuff. No. But because I don't like to be in a space like exactly. that. Exactly. I, mean, I feel no very where it is. confined. Mm -hmm. I don't like that at all. Yeah. Wasn't it um, Six Flags? Like around Halloween time, they have that contest. Maybe that's where yes. there's. I think there's actual graves with with coffins. That in might them, be right. And you have to stay in it for like, I think isn't it like two days or something? I'm like honestly that? surprised that nothing, no lawsuits have came from that. No, I think like, I mean, obviously they give you breaks, you know, sure. to get out and pee or get something to eat. But I think it's like a long time that you have to be in there. I think it's days. I don't know. Maybe it's not. Maybe it's 24 hours. But I think if I all, could just be in here in a casket for th days on end, I sure would. Honestly, maybe I could close myself in it and hide from my children. Yeah, I can't yet. Yeah. When she gets a little bit older, I'm sure I'll yeah, be ready. It's fine. I, I hide in the bathroom. I can't hide from now. her yet because she can't do anything. I know. So like if I'm my not there to do it. kids are fine for an hour. Yeah. If I go like lay in my bed Exactly. For a bit. If I'm not there to do it at this point, she, there's nothing, you know. Right. Okay. And she added on. Another little questy question. Ooh, okay. She wants to know some of our weird phobias. Oh, God. Weird ones. Yeah, like anything outside. The, like, it can't be mm -hmm. like, oh, I'm afraid of spiders or clowns. Because that's not that weird, you okay. know? Like a lot of people are. I know some of your weird ones. Okay, what are they? I know you're afraid of buffets. Oh, fuck yeah. Before COVID. She Before, didn't you like guys, buffets. Yeah. I just sensed it coming. <laughs> or <apparently>. salad bars. <laughs> yeah. Salad bars and buffets, you guys, are my downfall. <laughs> it is the worst. The worst. I get like uh, creepy crawly feeling mm -hmm. in my chest. Yeah. Thinking and talking because about Because of like it. germs? Is All it of it. Where germs, the food, the people touching shit. Not yeah. even just like germs. Like I don't even care. Like you might have the cleanest fingers in the world. I don't want your fucking fingers in my potato right. salad. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. What Do you remember Old Country Buffet? Yeah. Juliet. Yep. This little boy, we were... <laughs> 
sitting down eating or whatever like you this, like one does like like at a restaurant at a, at a fucking restaurant at a fine establishment like the like con- old the country old buffet. country buffet <laughs> so my mom's like hey look at that little boy at the jello look at him look at him over there at the jello <laughs> so we turn around and there's this little boy by himself licking the fucking communal jello spoon licking it sticking it in also licking it i can't see and it's and it's I think the other thing is when I go out to eat, I just want to fucking sit. Mm-hmm. I don't want to be getting up and picking things and like yeah. going and standing in line. Do you have a thing about like people judging what you take? No. No? No, I don't think I've ever been worried about that because fuck everyone. Right. True. Um, Very but true. I, I'm sure that there's definitely people who have phobias about that. Oh, I can, yeah. I can bet that. I didn't used to like to eat in public. Now I don't really give a fuck yeah. at all. Yeah. Judge. Just fucking judge me. Well, I judge no. myself. Right. Go ahead. Yeah. I don't like to go out to eat because I like have to be on. Exactly. You know what I You're mean? You're on a goddamn stage. Look, like at least presentable. Yeah. At the very least. You- I have to fucking talk to the server. It's going to be hard after all this COVID I in know. 10 years when it we was- can go out again. <laughs> I, I Buffets are just the worst. To, to circle back and yeah. I remember we used to go to the old country buffet and your mom would always lie about our ages <laughs> so we would be cheaper she and told I us, bet, she told us what our ages yes, were gonna be prior in case, to, in case they yes. asked us uh-huh. <laughs> even though she knows I wouldn't have fucking said a goddamn word no and then she would always yell at me if I took if I took pop and didn't drink at all oh even though we had already fucking paid Tina, we had already paid. It didn't matter. <laughs> Where do you think I get my shit from? <laughs> You're going to fucking eat your money's worth. Okay. Mm-hmm. Anyway. So yeah, that's buffets. It's definitely a strange phobia, I guess, yeah. for me. One of mine is, I don't, I wouldn't call it a phobia, but it's just something that I really, really do not like. Mm-hmm. Fucking cotton. Yes. You don't like cotton. Cotton balls. Q-tips. Mm-hmm. Really dry t-shirts. Dry, stiff, cottony t-shirts and jeans. Yeah. Doesn't it? It makes me feel fuzzy inside. It's stiff. Yeah. It makes my teeth hurt. Yeah. I don't like it. Yeah. And like cotton balls, like when you have to pull it out of a medicine bottle. Holy fucking shit. <laughs> oh, I don't mind that. It God. actually kind of feels free. What if it rips? If it rips? What if it breaks? Who cares? Then it feels bad. <laughs> It makes my soul hurt. Oh, God. Just thinking about it. I'm, do you see me? I'm doing the stressed out hand yeah, thing on my are. head. You I don't are. like it. I, oh, fuck. That's a strange one to me because I yeah. don't think twice about cotton. Yeah. Ever. Mm. It kind of is a phobia. Yeah, probably. Because I don't think phobia necessarily means afraid. Right. Yeah. But I think it means like. An extreme aversion. Yes. Like mm-hmm. you try to avoid at all costs, which yeah. you do. Yeah, fuck so. I do. There's t-shirts of tanners that I don't touch. Yeah. Buffets and cotton are two strange phobias. I think so. I so, would say. Celia, I, I feel like we delivered. <laughs> I hope you're satisfied. I, I fucking hope so because now our stomachs hurt. Mm-hmm. So we're talking to you today about some unethical. Unethical. Human trials and studies and experiments. Yeah, it's different. We've never done this type of episode before. Mm-mm. But when we first started Cruel and Unusual, the podcast, we said we were going to do weird shit, All oddities, shit. horror. It was going to be more than just murder. Yeah. And I feel like we do a lot of murder. Right. So we need to expand a little bit, yeah. expand our horizons, because yeah. we can't talk about murder forever. God. So we're going to talk to you about some goddamn experiments yeah. that are unethical today. 
Honey. Inhumane. It, very inhumane. Awful shit. And you're first. I'm first. And you guys, I'm just going to apologize in advance because mine is a little bit short, but I think Katie's will make up for it. It's all right. But I had researched three different fucking topics mm-hmm. and the other two were even shorter. Yeah. So there just wasn't enough out there. Do you know what I'm talking about? I don't. I know you just told me, but I still... <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> so I am cool. I don't think I ever said the name. No. Did you? I don't know. I don't think I did. I wouldn't know if you did. Because so, I'm me. Because you're you. And I'm me. And here we go. I am going to be talking to you about Operation Midnight Climax. Ooh. Doesn't it just sound Ooh. I couldn't sexy? tell you the last time I had a Midnight Climax. <laughs> Never. <laughs> Clearly. Okay. So the 1950s, right? So mm-hmm. uh, do you remember that time? I mean, I remember it fondly. <laughs> fondly. Sure. So the 1950s in America was quite the fucking time. The Cold War was in full swing. There was sure. an economic boom post-World War II, and the civil rights movement was well underway. Alongside all of these historic periods in time were some men, which just by that, you know that it's going to be a shit show. There were some men. Great. Yeah, there were some There were some motherfucking men who I already just come it. in and ruin <laughs> everything. Sorry, men. So there were some men who thought it would be a real good fucking idea to start testing out drugs on unwilling humans. Oh, great. Like, doesn't that just sound like a bright idea? That's what you do. So things like brainwashing and mind control started to be a thing, which is fucking insane. MK Ultra, all that fucking yeah, shit. Yeah, so what I'm talking about is like a subgroup of MK Ultra. Okay. Like MK Ultra, you guys know MK Ultra. Like, there's like more than 150 like subgroups of MK that Ultra. That could go so many directions. We could probably have like a ten parter on MK Ultra. This way and that way, and this way and that way, and this way and that way, and that way and this way. But that's the way we are. This this right here is the way we are, and we would get sick of talking about it. After Absolutely. One. Thank you. Good night. What's even crazier is the fact that these programs and operations were being done on human test subjects. So we're not talking about like lab rats and lab mice anymore. We're talking about humans, mm-hmm. human test subjects that are unwilling participants. Right. That's the that's the clincher right there. These humans had no idea that they were part of these experiments. Now, LSD, the drug, was widely administered to various controlled groups of people, people like mental patients, prisoners, drug addicts, and sex workers. An agent was quoted saying that they used these test subjects because they were people who, quote unquote, could not fight back. Oh, great. Fuck you. Great. That's, great. So that's really going to give yeah. you a lot of useful information. Right. Just for example, LSD was given in a controlled environment of a mental hospital on a patient in Kentucky for 174 days in a row. Wow. LSD. LSD. Wow. In a row. No breaks. Like, LSD was even administered to CIA employees themselves and other government workers, even members of the public, just to study the response. God. The great majority of the time, LSD was given totally without consent, and this directly violated something known as the Nuremberg Code. Mm -hmm. This is a quote. The Nuremberg Code is a set of research ethic principles for human experimentation created as a result of the Nuremberg trials at the end of the Second World War. So it's basically just this code of ethics Mm -hmm. when you're conducting experiments. You'll see in mine, too, that didn't even cover everything. 
Yeah, oh, I'm sure. Because it still kept... it. There were laws in the 90s still being written about human trials and, ex- and Isn't studies. Isn't that insane? And ex- yes. Yeah, because this Nuremberg Code, I mean, it was long, but it wasn't super long. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that, and if anyone can get around something, they will. Yeah. You know. Especially if you're using people as test subjects that can't say anything. Exactly. That can't, help, that can't get help. Exactly. But clearly, by not telling someone that you're going to give them LSD, yeah. and you're just going to basically sit back and watch what happens, mm-hmm. that's violating a code of ethics. Oh, yeah. Right? So the CIA are just a terribly fucking paranoid bunch. Mm-hmm. They were worried at this time, you know, when all of this started, that the Soviets were potentially potentially using unlawful tactics to sway CIA operatives mm-hmm. against their will. So the CIA wanted to find out if this was possible and if they could cause Soviet spies to defect against their own will. Quote, the aim of this was to find drugs which would bring out deep confessions or wipe a subject's mind clean and program them as a robot agent. God. End quote. That's so fucking creepy to me. Right? God, I it's, hate it. It makes my skin crawl. So just to provide context for this, this is another quote. In the late 1940s, the CIA received reports that the Soviet Union had engaged in intensive efforts to produce LSD and that the Soviets had attempted to purchase the world's supply of the chemical. One CIA officer described the agency as literally terrified of the Soviet's LSD program, Mm. largely because of the lack of knowledge about the drug in the United States. This was the one material that we had ever been able to locate that had really potential fantastic possibilities if used wrongly, the officer testified. End quote. That is a quote from history. So they're basically saying that the CIA got their panties in a bunch because they thought that the Soviets were taking our people Mm -hmm. and getting them to give up information by using LSD. Mm -hmm. So basically the CIA wanted to do that against the Soviet spies that we would capture. Mm -hmm. And it was just this fucking run around game of cat and mouse and injecting people with LSD. So the CIA or its counterparts, mainly the scientists that were involved with the CIA Mm -hmm. were like, Hey, we need to test out this LSD shit a bit. Frank Olson was one of the lead scientists for the CIA on the LSD program. He actually, I don't know if he was forced to try LSD or if he chose to try it, but either way, some was put in his drink and around a week later, he allegedly jumped out a window. When you take LSD, there are aftermath effects Mm -hmm. and it can, you know, leave you with paranoia, depression, like these lingering symptoms Mm -hmm. that sometimes you don't get. Sometimes they happen for a week, sometimes, you know, two days. Mm -hmm. But for whatever reason, this guy was experiencing these depressive symptoms. Yeah. And he jumped out a window, allegedly. Or did he know something that... I did read somewhere in my research that Frank Olson had put in his resignation. Mm-hmm. Because he had doubts about the the ethics behind this. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe he didn't jump. Mm-hmm. So, real quick, I want to mention just a little ditty. One of the key players in some of the most grotesque CIA mind control experiments is a man named Sidney Gottlieb. This is a quote. In 1951, Sidney joined the Central Intelligence Agency, which is the CIA, Katie, as a poison expert. Wouldn't you just love to be a poison expert? I think, maybe. He headed the chemical division of the technical services staff and became known as the Black Sorcerer and the Dirty Trickster. Oh. He supervised preparations of lethal poisons and drug experiments in mind control. 
In April of 1953, he became head of the secret project MKUltra, which was activated on the order of CIA Director Alan Dulles. In this capacity, he administered LSD and other hallucinogenic drugs to unwitting subjects and financed psychiatric research and development of techniques that would crush the human psyche to the point it would admit anything. Oh, God. Now, Sidney was one of the men who was heading up Operation Midnight Climax, which, like we said, is a sub-project or sub-program of MKUltra. Mm -hmm. So LSD was thought to be like a truth serum, Mm -hmm. almost. And they thought it would be beneficial to create three brothels and then have sex workers on the CIA payroll run these brothels. Oh, honey. Doesn't that sound like a great idea? Yeah. Sounds I mean, like it would be very beneficial to everyone involved. The sex for, workers, yeah. the, the CIA, and the people being... Sucked off. But... <laughs> <laughs> but... Not if they're unwitting. Exactly, you which know. they are. I mean, they're not unwittingly being sucked off. Right. That's the thing they want to go oh, to get I'm sucked sure. off. I'm sure. Who doesn't? They just didn't. But <laughs> these girls are getting that money from the CIA, though. I love it, that. Truly. Um, not if they're dosing Kidding. them and sending them in there if they don't want to be dosed. Everyone wants to be sucked. <laughs> Everyone wants to be sucked, but not dosed with uh, LSD. George White, who was the lead guy in the Federal Bureau of Narcotics, was also a key player in Operation Midnight Climax. So let's just say, like, you walk into George's home, right? Okay. And you don't know what's going on. You think he's redecorating. Everything seems normal. He's, He's just a man who's in his home a.k.a. the brothel, hanging up pictures of can-can dancers and painted floral arrangements. He hung beautiful red curtains over the windows at the bedroom in the home at 225 Chestnut Street in San Francisco. It just looked fucking fabulous. I bet. But what you would not have seen just by being an innocent bystander stumbling into this brothel, this man's home, Mm -hmm. would be the two-way mirror that he put up in the bedroom. Okay. 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 So the sex workers were notified and hired and they would be finding these Johns out and about and bringing them back to the brothel, their safe house. And then they would dose their drinks with LSD. All right. And have some fun in the bedroom. These Johns had no idea that they were being drugged or that there was a two-way mirror or the operation specialists were sitting behind taking notes and watching the sexual escapades ensue. Shit. So the Johns would start tripping out on LSD as one does when they take LSD and the sex workers would start asking them questions that were given to them as sort of like a mock interrogation of sorts. Oh, okay. So it's kind of like, you know, like when the Soviets take one of the U.S. spies Mm -hmm. or whatever and they interrogate them. Right. You know, are they using LSD and getting everything they want to get out of them? Right. So they're still just fucking with this too much. Mm -hmm. Like they're putting too much effort into it. That's too much. It said that there was two fatalities as a result of this operation. So wow. these men who they were dosing themselves, you know, yeah. <laughs> randomly. So this operation slash experiment went on for a bit, like the drugging men without their knowledge part. Mm-hmm. And one of the head brothel overseers noted that a lot of the Johns were wanting kinkier shit. Oh. They requested to be whipped and humiliated, tied up, etc. That's not that weird, though. You know? I mean, there's a lot of people who are into that kind of stuff. It's but at that time in the 40s and 50s. Yeah, I guess you didn't talk about there it. There wasn't like 
Fifty Shades of Grey, like right. making shit known. So this caused them to stop dosing the men with LSD, and instead they turned the brothels into like a BDSM type of place. Oh, like, so they just ran with it. Yeah, they just totally ran oh, with shit. it. Like it looked like a fucking dungeon. Women in bondage art was on the walls instead of the yes. painted floral arrangements. <laughs> I was expecting you to say they were like, no, we gotta shut this shit down. Yeah, no, That's BD- the devil. no BDSM in this brothel. Fucking Satan. <laughs> Anyway, so the operation specialist kept on taking notes behind the two-way mirror who who, I don't know what else they were doing behind there, but... We can imagine. Um, yeah. He ended up, one of the specialists ended up writing a manual about how field operatives could potentially use sex as a weapon instead mm-hmm. of LSD. Love so, that. Yeah. More so than the LSD, sex could be used to get men to talk, to get information from men that they needed information from. Yeah, it can. Men would <laughs> fold at the touch of a woman's hand on their cock. I mean. That's what they found out by pumping unwilling human test subjects full of illegal drugs. This is kind of like where that whole honeypot trap thing came from. Like, mm-hmm. Where the beautiful woman approaches a man with useful information, she sleeps with him, and then she blackmails the shit out of yeah, him. Yeah, you don't even need to dose him for that shit, man. No. You could have found that out. We know Suck that. Him. Suck him and fuck him. Women have known that for fucking centuries. Suck and him yeah, and we fuck did. Him. <laughs> what? <laughs> Fuck him. Um, we didn't need the CIA's help no, with that. Boys, we knew we, it. We, we got this. Okay? We understand. Maybe if you hired some fucking women back then, they could have just shut it exactly. down. And be like, this is not necessary. Exactly. Don't spend the money. We don't need to do that, little men, God. little boys. This is a quote. The Operation Midnight Climax program was soon expanded. CIA operatives began dosing people in restaurants, bars, and beaches. Ugh. The safe houses were dramatically scaled back in 63, following a report by CIA Inspector General John Earman, which strongly recommended closing the facility. I wonder the fuck why. Yeah, right. The San Francisco safe houses were closed in 65, and New York City safe house soon followed in 1966. So I didn't mention this, but to start, they had three brothels. One in like, I think it was like Marin County, one in San Francisco, and one in the, in New York City. Okay. Now, by the end of Operation Midnight Climax, LSD was thought to be totally ineffective in mind control interrogations. Hmm. Not only was all of this really fucked up, but they also couldn't use any of this anyway. Right. So they probably spent a shit ton of money to get no return. Right. Aside from knowing that women are fucking powerful in the bedroom. Yeah. And I don't know if I need to clarify this with anyone, but LSD is not a truth serum. Right. Okay. In 1974, the journalist Seymour Hirsch exposed the CIA's illegal spying on U.S. citizens and how the CIA had conducted non-consensual drug experiments. His report started the lengthy process of bringing long suppressed details about MKUltra to light. So this transcript is from a news station interview. Okay. (laughs) So this is all the quote. I just want to be clear here. I'm just reading it directly from the transcript. Okay. So the news anchor says, The director of Central Intelligence appeared today in San Francisco, and he asked the city's forgiveness for the spy agency's operation at 225 Chestnut Street during the mid-50s. Turner said that the Operation Midnight Climax, wherein unsuspecting citizens were lured to the Telegraph Hill apartment for the CIA's drug experiments were, in his words, abhorrent. But the CIA chief said he didn't know much about the operation since he hadn't spoken with a mastermind. Of course he didn't know much. Well. No man does. Right. (laughs) We're losing all of our male listeners right now. (laughs) You guys, we're not talking about you unless you're stupid. And then... (laughs) 
<laughs> and then we are. You would know if you were. All right. <laughs> I'm kidding. Okay. And then Admiral Turner says, the CIA is not involved in investigating Americans. And we also did not want to appear to be influencing Gottlieb in any way to testify or not testify. It's talking about like when everything came out. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? I have not communicated with him since these new documents became available. Why? Yeah. And then the anchor says, Admiral Turner said that there were no such operations now. Sure, there's not. Yeah. They're just getting better at covering them up. He did emphasize, however, the CIA continues to be deeply interested in the international drug trade, but the CIA's mind control experiments, he said, are all past history. I don't believe it for one second. I don't think so either. Yeah, I think that's fucking bullshit. Mm-hmm. I'm going to post this like transcript thing okay. in the group because it's longer and I'm not going to sit here and read it all to you like we're in kindergarten. <laughs> but yeah, that's bullshit. Bullshit. Anyway, so... Yeah, that was a little bit about Operation Midnight Climax. Crazy. I had heard about that. I didn't know that's what it was called. Yeah. I didn't know like what exactly, what kind of experiment they were doing, like in the brothels. I didn't know what was happening in the brothels besides fucking. Right. Fucking. Fucking and sucking. Yeah. I mean. (laughs) That's about it. Right. Yeah, that's it. That's, it's just so fucking gross. Yeah. Like dose your goddamn self right exactly you know what i mean and then to sit there behind a two-way mirror mm-hmm. and take notes they were probably like lsd doesn't do shit these people were probably just there jacking mm-hmm. off behind a two-way mirror anyway so it's it's just crazy like i feel mm-hmm. like my mind is being controlled now yeah it's, it, i feel like i'm gonna get paranoia uh-huh. As a, as a result, you as will. a direct result from episode thirty three or yeah. whatever the fuck episode we're on, you will. I'm going to be telling you about the Tuskegee syphilis experiment. This study was officially known as the Tuskegee study of untreated syphilis in the Negro male. Wow, that's what they titled it. That's what it was called. Yeah. This was the South in the wow. 1930s. It's a part of history that we're not taught. No. I had no idea this happened. No. No fucking clue. So I'm sure we've all heard of syphilis. I had heard of it. I didn't know exactly what all it, it entailed. Sure. And how, and I didn't know, I didn't even know it was deadly. Yeah. But it's a highly contagious bacterial sexually transmitted disease and it starts with a sore or like a lesion right at the spot where the bacteria enters your body so on your peen on your vag on your butthole um, or in your mouth or throat it's less common but it can be spread through kissing it's usually not it's usually yeah it can be spread from an infected mother to her newborn through (gasps) pregnancy or childbirth that's why they say not to kiss your baby on the lips yeah well and if reasons. you're if you're getting um, proper health care during pregnancy, you're tested for it right yeah. at the beginning. Right. Um, so syphilis causes these sores or skin ulcerations in its primary stage, the first stage, usually just one or two of them. In its secondary stage, the rash typically spreads. It usually, it, being, it can go anywhere. It's really prevalent usually on, on your palms. Oh, wow. And on the soles of your feet, which sounds like fresh hell. That. In the latent stage... A lot of times there's little, you you can have it with little to no symptoms for the longest time. It's, is it one of them that can stay dormant? Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. And that can make people think that they're safe and, right. s- and spread it. You know what I mean? And then if it's left untreated in a tertiary stage, which can take five to 40 years to reach. Five to 40 stage, is a very big gap. Yeah. It can cause non-cancerous growths, neurological problems, heart problems, blindness, arthritis, brain damage, and death. How? So, 
about 30 to 60 percent of people exposed to primary or secondary syphilis end up contracting the disease. And like we know, it's transmitted through direct sexual contact. Okay. So you're not going to get syphilis from a toilet seat. You're not going to get it from touching things. You're not going to get it from sharing utensils or clothes or anything like that. The bacteria just dies way too fast for that. It's essentially a peen into a vein or a peen into a bean or a peen mm-hmm. into a mean. Mm-hmm. You're exactly right. (laughs) So condom use reduces the likelihood of getting syphilis during sex. It does not eliminate the risk. Um, Like if the condom covers that sore. Sure. Then you're, you're probably covered. You're probably good. But... You know, it's, it's not 100%. The good news is syphilis can be cured nowadays with antibiotics, which is great if you have health care. And it's, I mean, not so much if you're black and living in 1930s America right. where penicillin wasn't even a thing to treat infections yet. So by the 1930s, syphilis was taking such a toll on the U.S. that one out of every 10 Americans suffered from the disease. Wow. It was like running rampant yeah. like COVID. Worse than COVID. Yeah. Every year, about a half a million new cases of syphilis were contracted. Holy fuck. That's twice as many as tuberculosis and 100 times as many as polio. Wow. Syphilis at the time in the 30s was a national health crisis. Yeah. And we don't, we're not taught that. No. I don't ever remember hearing about that. No. I mean, obviously I wasn't alive then, but like in history books. Right, right. Obviously I wasn't alive then. And not in the 30s? No. So in the fall of 1932, flyers started to pop up in Macon County, Alabama. And thank you to everybody on Facebook that helped me pronounce Macon. I asked everybody if it rhymed with bacon. Rhymes with bacon. I figured it did, but I figured that I'm also usually wrong a lot of the time. Most of the time you are wrong. Yeah. Because it could have been... Macone? Right. Exactly. Mason? Macon? Mason? Mason? You don't know. Mason. You just don't know. Mason? Okay. The flyers that started to pop up around town, around the county, they said, quote, colored people. Ah. At the top. They went on to read, quote, do you have bad blood? Free blood tests. Free treatment by county health department and government doctors. You may feel well and still have bad blood. Come and bring all of your family. The flyers went on to list the dates, times, and locations for people to come in and get their blood tested for free to get free health care. I feel like this is not going to be good. It's not good. It's very bad. So note that these flyers did not say a single thing about syphilis or any other disease in particular. They just referred to being sickly as bad blood. Right. They called it bad blood. They came across as like, we want to help you and your family. Yeah. You know what I mean? Now, Macon County, Alabama was often referred to as the Black Belt because it had really rich soil and it was populated mostly with black sharecroppers who were the backbone of the region. But the thing was, because of racism, unequal opportunities, Mm -hmm. hate, discrimination, they were very poor. A lot of them were illiterate and most didn't have access to adequate health care. So men saw these flyers and they thought, well, shit, like, this is what I need. This sounds great. 622 black men were chosen after their initial exams to participate in this program. They were enticed by the free medical exams. They didn't have to worry about finding a ride to the clinic because transportation was provided. They were even provided with free meals on exam days. It was too good to be true. Yeah, they were promised burial insurance if anything happened to them. A lot of these men had never even seen a doctor. 
in their entire lives. Isn't so that, like, like how, how could you how could they have said no? Right. You know what I mean? They whoever you know these people who did these fires knew that they were going to make this so fucking enticing they that fucking who, did. Could, who could refuse? Yes. I hate that for for them. Mm-hmm. Yep. Doesn't that make your fucking heart yes. hurt? It gets so like much worse. Like you see this and you you feel like hope. Yeah. You know, right. and promise. Oh, maybe I can, you know, take care of my family. Oh, get my them, God. You know, get them fucking vitamins right. even. You know what I mean? Shit that should be basic human rights. Yeah. Now, Macon County wasn't chosen at random. Like I said, the population was mostly black and they were very poor. That was reason number one. They thought syphilis and many other diseases were affected by race. But the government, the U.S. Public Health Service, knew that there was also a huge syphilis outbreak happening in that exact area. Wow. They knew that these men would be easily swindled. Almost 400 of the men participating in this free health care to treat bad blood already had syphilis. The rest of the men, almost 200, did not have syphilis, and they were to serve as control subjects. Oh, my God. Mm-hmm. So the, how did they... Oh, they took their blood. So that is how they knew who had syphilis and who uh-huh, didn't. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. The purpose of... So so what happened was, I'm sure like a bunch of people and families came. They took down the names sure. of the men that they wanted that had syphilis, and they took down names of men that didn't. Right. The purpose of this study was to observe these patients as syphilis took over their bodies for six months to one year, and then treat them for the disease with an arsenic-based drug, which it's not ideal, but that's what they used then. Yeah, right. And it worked, but it also, it's fucking poison. They wanted to see if syphilis had a different effect on black people compared to white people. They were going to compare the findings with a study done on the effects of syphilis in white males done in Oslo, Norway. They had the idea that white men were more likely to get neurosyphilis during the last, like, late stages of syphilis, which neurosyphilis is... When you, you've had syphilis, and then in those late stages, it affects your uh, central nervous system. Sure. And they thought that black men were more likely to have cardiovascular symptoms oh, wow. in the last stage. Okay. They wanted to see if this general idea was true. The Tuskegee study was the brainchild of several men, two of which were Talia Farrow Clark. I'm, I don't know if that's right. It sounds great. Yeah. And Thomas Perrin Jr. or Perron Jr. Perron. Whatever. Along with various other high-ranking members of the U.S. Public Health Service and in collaboration with Tuskegee University. They would report their findings back to the government and the government would pretty much tell them, like, keep up the good work. Keep going. You're wow. doing great. Okay. But here's the thing. Remember what else was going on in the 30s? Yeah. The Great, Great Depression. Yes, the Great Depression. You know what? I'm actually proud that I knew that because <laughs> I don't remember anything about anything. I don't remember anything about the 30s. The Tuskegee study ended up losing most of its funding before it even started. They didn't cancel the study, though. They just completely eliminated that pesky treatment phase. Oh, that's mm-hmm. all. They were like, well, now we'll just see what happens to a black man's body if he gets no treatment at all. No. Yeah. Fuck all of yeah. you. Yeah. Keep in mind, these men don't know they have syphilis. They know they've got something. They've got bad blood. Yeah. They call it, but they don't They don't know. Right. So they tell these men with syphilis that they're going to be getting free treatment from the federal government, and they tell the men without syphilis that they're just going to be able to, you know, to see some doctors and receive general health care for free. But they didn't tell the men with syphilis what they had. They didn't know that they could infect others. They didn't know that they could infect their partners, their wives who bore their children, their newborns. 
They had no idea just how much the disease would maim and kill them in the end. I hate it. The researchers justified this and they claimed that they weren't really hurting anyone because, and this is their words, the men most likely wouldn't have ever received treatment on their own anyway. This is a quote from that fucker Talia Farrow Clark. Quote, the rather low intelligence of the African-American population, depressed economic conditions, and the common promiscuous sex relations not only contribute to the spread of syphilis, but the prevailing indifference with regards to treatment. End fuck quote. You. So he's saying that they're not smart enough. Yeah, they fucking fuck sleep you. around all the time. They don't, you know. You know what? You're they wouldn't a big get treatment. Piece of shit. Yeah, they wouldn't get treatment anyway because they they they're clueless. Because of men like you. And yeah. Mm-hmm. That's why. Yeah. Piece of shit. Yeah. So at first they observed the men with syphilis for about six to eight months. And then they did give them like some bullshit treatment so that they wouldn't get suspicious. Sure. They gave them medicine that was essentially mercury. Wow. They gave them toxic bismuth compounds, which I think is arsenic. And they took it because they were being told that it was going to help them. In the book Bad Blood, the Tuskegee Syphilis Experiment by James H. Jones, a survivor of the study named Charles Pollard said that he'd heard they were conducting free physicals at a local one-room schoolhouse. He said, quote, So I went over and they told me I had bad blood. And that's what they've been telling me ever since. They come around from time to time and check me over and they say, Charlie, you've got bad blood. All I knew was they just kept saying I had the bad blood. They never mentioned syphilis to me, not even once, end quote. The men were not only given toxic medicine, but they were also given placebos, ointments that did nothing. They were given spinal taps. No. They distributed lists with the subject's names to local doctors and told them under no circumstance should you treat these men for syphilis. Oh my God. Yeah. Mm -hmm. They wanted them to ride their illnesses out without even knowing what they were suffering from. They wanted these men to stay in this program until they died of syphilis so that they could study their corpses. To get them to stay in the program, they told them they would provide burial insurance should anything ever happen to them. A nurse named Eunice Rivers also served as a link between those conducting this study and the black community in Macon County. She'd graduated from Tuskegee University with her nursing credentials, and she ended up working for the Tuskegee Institute Movable School. So she traveled to different communities in the region, and she worked with the residents in these communities. Um, they trusted her. Right. But she was a black woman who was expected to abide by what these white men in charge were telling her to do without question. She ended up working the syphilis study. She would spread the word about it, providing care for the men. She listened to them. She gave them what she could, vitamins, basic health care, knowledge, ways to get assistance. She'd pick them up for their appointments in this shiny, like, fancy government car. She'd cook them hot meals. She was a comfort for them. But it's unknown whether or not Eunice was just trying to keep her job. Right. Or if she, like, even knew what the fuck was going on. Or, like, if she did know and and she had to, you know, maybe wager which was more. Right. I don't, I don't know. There's arguments and evidence for both sides. But once everything came to light, she never spoke about it. So we, we don't know what exactly Eunice's role was. So the initial 6 to 12 month time frame for the study came and went, but they didn't end it. They kept it going for 40 Four. years. 40. 40 years. Okay, so that's 1930? It went to, yeah, it went to the 70s. Wow. They kept it going long after the 40s when penicillin became a known, safe, effective treatment for syphilis. 
and treatment centers were open. They kept it going after that. They kept it going after some of the men were drafted to fight during World War II. Oh when the Army's entrance exams told them that they had syphilis, the government had these men removed from duty so that they could, they would remain untreated. Right. They didn't. They they wow. wanted to see what syphilis did to them till the very fucking end. I can't. Mm-hmm. You, the word inhumane doesn't even like encompass it right at all so they kept it going until 1972 when only 74 of the test subjects were still alive out of of 600 and something of the original 399 syphilis positive men who were a part of the study 28 had died of syphilis 150 had died from complications from the disease 40 of their wives had been infected and 19 of their babies were born with congenital syphilis it's it's murder plain and simple yeah but here's the thing they didn't end this study because they wanted to or because it wasn't because yeah it wasn't because they collected all the information they wanted or they didn't start to feel guilty they wanted to continue it until they could perform autopsies on every last participant it ended because they were finally starting to receive backlash took long enough these studies and findings they were being published the entire time so people doctors researchers could read their studies their findings they knew what was happening but it was most of the same mindset like it's necessary no one that matters is really being hurt like we're racist blah 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 so throughout the years there were several people who read the studies and they got fired up about it but it wasn't enough to stop it they would just like file the angry letters away with a note that said do not reply yeah a man named peter buxton who was a public health service venereal disease investigator Mm. wrote a letter to the national director of the division of venereal diseases in 1966 he gave him a piece of his mind he said this study is not moral it's not ethical i think you all suck hardcore for letting this go on for so long that's not a direct quote the cdc who had control of the study at this point was like no we need to let them all die first go away So Peter decided to take the issue to the media. He worked with a reporter named Jean Heller of the Associated Press. Jean broke the story in the Washington Star in 1972, and the very next day it was front-page news in the New York Times. Congressional hearings were called. There was public outcry. The CDC and the Public Health Service called an advisory panel to investigate the experiment, and they decided that the study was medically unjustified. No and ordered, shit. Yeah, and ordered that it be terminated because they said the men agreed to certain terms of the study, like exams and treatment, but they were never told about the study's actual purpose. The NAACP filed a class action lawsuit on behalf of the victims and their families, and they ended up settling with the U.S. government paying out $10 million, which is over $50 million today, and providing free medical care to surviving victims and any family members infected due to the study. Good. And Congress... That doesn't help anything. Right, but it's, I mean, it's something. Right. You know what I mean? Something aside from nothing. Yeah. Yeah. And Congress put regulations in place to prevent things like this from happening again in the future. So nowadays, studies like this, they must have informed consent. Participants must be informed of any diagnosis and be informed of any test results. A multidisciplinary symposium was held in 1994, and the Tuskegee Syphilis Study Legacy Committee was formed to bring ideas from the symposium into action. The Legacy Committee issued a final report in 1996, and they had two main goals. 
One was to come up with a strategy to reduce the damages alongside the involved federal agencies, and the other goal was to have President Bill Clinton publicly apologize for past government wrongdoing involving the experiment. Really? I love that that was one of their goals. Yeah. I fucking love it. So one year later, during a ceremony for Tuskegee survivors at the White House, he did. Now, I think Bill Clinton and most politicians are scumbags, but just like, hear me out. Imagine this. Imagine our sitting president saying this on TV. Just close your eyes and imagine, quote, What was done cannot be undone, but we can end the silence. We can stop turning our heads away. We can look at you in the eye and finally say on behalf of the American people what the United States government did was shameful, and I am sorry. To our African-American citizens, I am sorry that your federal government orchestrated a study so clearly racist. End quote. Wow. So five survivors attended this White House ceremony, and they were Charlie Pollard, Herman Shaw, Carter Howard, Fred Simmons, and Frederick Moss. The other three survivors had family members attend the ceremony in their name. Sam Doner was represented by his daughter, Gwendolyn Cox. Ernest Hendon was represented by his brother, North Hendon. And George Key was represented by his grandson, Christopher Monroe. The last man who was a participant in the study died in 2004. So I'm going to end this with a quote by Ada McVean from a McGill article she wrote called 40 Years of Human Experimentation in America, the Tuskegee Study. Quote, we know all about evil Nazis who experimented on prisoners. We condemn the scientists in Marvel movies who carry out tests on prisoners of war. But we do well to remember that America has also used its own people as lab rats. Yet to this day, no one has been prosecuted for their role in dooming 399 men to syphilis. End quote. I had no fucking clue that even happened. Ashamed of themselves? No. Forty years. It went on for forty fucking years. Forty years. And these men had no fucking clue. I thought that that needed to be told. You know, it's not talked about enough. No, it isn't. So absolutely not. No. No, I'm glad you did that one, Katie. Yes. (laughs) Reading, watching, listening. No fuck. I'm still reading that same book I've talked about. Yeah. Um. I just want to say though, like I'm halfway done right now. It's a Mm -hmm. long boy. Yeah. It's a big book. Alone, um, So much Suck fucking... Em and fuck them. So much... <laughs> so much has happened. And the book's like fucking halfway over. Not That's even crazy. halfway over. I, I still need to get oh it. Oh my God. It's nutso. Yeah. And I love it. Yeah. Um, That one's called What Lies Between Us. I've said it for the past like three fucking episodes. Um, Watching nothing. I got to go home and watch Lovecraft Country. It's on tonight. Yeah, you do. And I'm so fucking excited. We can't binge it because it's one episode a week. Like yeah, the fucking olden days. Hell? I listened to the most recent My Favorite Murder, too. I think it was the one about the uh, werewolves in France or some shit. I don't recall. It was good. I mean, fine. Yeah. <laughs> no, 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 no. That wasn't the most recent one. I did listen to that one. The most recent one is they had the um, defense attorney yes. for fucking Michael Peterson from The Staircase. Yeah. And his wife, Sonia. They have a podcast together, a new one, and they fucking followed us on Instagram. Yeah. Oh, my God. They even hearted a picture. Oh, my God. I almost shat my drawers. Yeah, you did. <laughs> What's his name? Rudolph? David, Rudolph. David Rudolph. Yeah. Yeah. So, there's that. What okay. about you? Reading, watching, listening? No, I'm I'm still getting through my arc of One More Chance by Cat Savage. 
I haven't been able to read hardly at all. My mm-hmm. also that book mysteriously deleted from my Kindle Did the it? other night, and now I have to go. And so she obviously she resent me a thing, yeah. but I have to go back in and find my like spot. Oh yeah, that's so sucks. annoying. I, I love reading on the Kindle app. Me it too. Just saves everything for you exactly, except for when your book gets deleted. Right. I have not listened to any podcast this You've week. You've tried to watch Criminal Minds, though. I tr- yes. Did you watch the one you told me you were watching last night? Did you finish I that I did one? not finish it yet. I fell asleep. Did you get to any of the craziness? No. Oh, fuck. I don't even know what happened. Yet. Okay. All right. You got to watch that one before you give up. I can't remember what, what it even is now. <laughs> I just looked at you and saw John <laughs> Bonet Ramsey. Oh, my God. That was the scariest thing, Why? I think. What's wrong with you? I don't know. Are you all right? Are just you on in, LSD? Just in your face. Were you dosed? Maybe. Like the way my face and the light? Yeah. Really? Yes. Okay. I was thinking like my face was replaced with no. her face. No. I mean, it, I was going to say that's like, a problem. Yeah. That, that's a big <laughs> issue. Oh, really quick. We kind of have, we're almost kind of like my favorite murder because <laughs> we have their version of a corrections corner <laughs> almost. Um, only it's our correction corner and we need to figure out something to call that because i'm sure we've been wrong a lot and we're going to be wrong a lot more dawn oh yeah one of our yes. beautiful members this of our even, coven it's not even it's like not, a correction it's just something it's we didn't not know. necessarily a correction but it's more like a well see the thing is this information is not out there it's no only somebody th- okay let's just just say it anyway so <laughs> basically if you guys remember a few episodes ago we talked about caracoles Mm-hmm. And she's a postal worker who went missing from, like, out in front of her house, technically. There was a video on surveillance. Go listen to the episode if you haven't, because you need mm-hmm. to, because she's missing. Yeah. Dawn, in the in the Facebook group, in our Coven Facebook group, in mm-hmm. the Cruel and Unusual, the group, colon. colon, the group, let us know that for postal workers, it's just like you dial in and you hit your code. Yeah, to call right? off. Yeah. To call off, yeah. So it's not even like someone would have had to pretend to be her or that somebody would have heard her voice right. or anything like that. Yeah. It's so much different than I knew. Mm-hmm. So I'm glad that we know that because that also helps me to understand that a little bit more as yeah, well. Yeah, for sure. I don't know like if they could trace that. I'm sure they could still trace it because I'm sure you still have to I'm call. I'm sure. You exactly. have to call a number. Exactly. And then punch in your number exactly. to call off. It so. just wouldn't be as hard right to do depending on if they had her numbers or not exactly it might be harder her to boyfriend do. would have known her numbers i'm sure allegedly <clears throat> um yeah <laughs> um i would think it was someone who was it, it's an inside thing somebody who knew that exactly all you have to do is punch in numbers exactly yeah also, we have a new Patreon yes, we member. Yes, Miss Maggie. Is Maggie. Hey, Maggie, thank you so much for being a Patreon member, I'm falling asleep. You are, and you're trying to keep yourself awake by I'm singing I'm trying Maggie. so hard. <laughs> Maggie, I'm, I'm serenading you because I need to stay awake. Because you're lucky she's not singing Wake Up, Maggie. I got Wake some- Up, Maggie. <laughs> See, here we go. <laughs> yeah. Okay. It's almost 1030, so we really got to cut this shit out. All right, guys. Thank you, Maggie, for all of your support. You guys can find our Patreon links in our link trees. You can. That's on Instagram. Okay, this is. I'm doing this way out of order. Instagram at cruel and unusual the pod mm-hmm. link in our bio patreon there's merch our website which is cruelinkmedia.com is there that has our merch stuff about our books stuff about the episodes our source material everything that and has all to that jazz I tweet at cruel unusual pod come join our Facebook group that is cruel and unusual colon the group colon the group you guys we made some halloween merch we have the designs <gasps> ready they're I not up. Know you were gonna say anything. Ah! 
They're not up yet. They might be by this time. They might be by Thursday. I don't Maybe. know. Maybe. I don't know. on um, how together our lives are this week. Yeah. But. You guys, the fucking spooky season merch. I love it. So that's going to be shared probably in the group first. Oh, yeah. So come in our group. You can get fucking sneaky peeks. It, it, they're so fucking good. Also. Yes. I just want to do a little shout out to our Facebook fucking group because I love it. I I know you love it. Everybody in there is fucking bomb as fuck Mm -hmm. and they just randomly post things and we see your beautiful faces when you post yourselves in in your merch, Angela, and (laughs) (laughs) um, you'll post like fucking news articles and like just things that make you think of Cruel and Unusual, the podcast, Mm -hmm. and we fucking love it. If you guys are in there, add your fucking friends. Yeah. Tell your friends about it. We want even more of you in there. Because it's so fucking fun. And like we've said before, it makes us just so... Hot in the crotch. Hot in the fucking crotch. Mm-hmm. Sucking and fucking. <laughs> you guys, we gotta go. We're sucking and fucking. All right, guys. All right. Love you. Love you. Bye. Bye. Bye.